Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, it's coffee time. Good morning. This is Patrick B. McCoy, and welcome to Across the Arts. Oh, rise, shine, give God glory. Rise, shine, give God glory. Rise, shine, give God glory. Glory to his name. Rise and shine, and welcome to this special edition of Across the Arts on Blog Talk Radio. This is a part of our special series called The Conversation Series. This is the second installment, the first installment being our interview last year with former Washington Post classical music critic Anne Majette. Today, we are excited to welcome a talented Howard University graduate here for this special broadcast of The Conversation Series. You may know him for his work as a prolific composer, conductor, and also pianist. We welcome today to the broadcast, Damien Snead. Good morning, Damien. Good morning. How are you? I am well, and we're going to let the people see your wonderful face here. How's everybody doing? Good morning, good morning, Damien. It is such a wonderful um, opportunity to speak to you. I guess we don't have anywhere to be, <laughs> but staying at home, sheltering in place. Damien, I want to just start off by saying again, thank you so much for being here. And I just want to let you know uh, off top that basically people are going to start commenting on the live. And basically, um, at some point, I would like to uh, field some questions. I'll, of course, I'll screen the questions, but have you give you an opportunity to respond. But first off, I want to talk to you because you basically had a hectic, rigorous tour of your uh, We Should Overcome tour, your, your opera. Could you maybe speak to how COVID-19 has impacted your, your uh, productivity as a performing artist? Uh, it was very hectic. Uh... I was fortunate enough that my uh, 41 city tour, I only had to cancel one date due to COVID-19. Uh, it ended on, supposed to end on Friday the 13th, it mm. ended on Wednesday, uh, March 11th. And I was back home here in New York City on Thursday, March 12th. And I've been locked down alone, uh, quarantined and all of that since that date. So it's going on almost 50 days now. Uh, mm. But thank goodness uh, we were able to complete our tour. But a lot of my friends have had a lot of issues arise from this. I had a lot of cancellations. I've had bookings every single weekend. Uh, but the good thing is that I've been able to teach online, uh, my uh, undergraduate and graduate students at Manhattan School of Music. So that's been uh, very uplifting. Uh, a lot of them are spread out across the world. So sometimes we just do mental check-ins more so than, you know, a rigorous, uh, you know, session online. Wow. I, I wanted to talk to you about that because I'm sure that that is definitely, a lot of people I've talked to have said that even being able to teach remotely is a blessing, but it's a lot of work that's more involved than what you would do um, necessary in the class. So what has been your method of choice that you've been using when you do give musical instruction? Uh, well, some of the ensemble classes are absolutely difficult with uh, current technology. We're still working on that. We use Zoom a lot and Canvas. Uh, but a lot of times uh, we share music, we share recordings, uh, we talk about things and 
we're able to keep it all within a 45-minute window because, you know, the adult attention span is only with so long. And uh, <laughs> a lot of the, the faculty, along with me, uh, we're very empathetic towards students because being online in front of a screen uh, in a sedentary position uh, can be very, very uh, uh, annoying, even if you want to say that. And it sometimes worse in the eyes, you know, where we would go to the computer for social media and for work. Now it's like all of us are communicating with the world through a screen. Right. It's, uh, it's definitely a new uh, shift in this paradigm of teaching, just how we communicate uh, in general. Something I, I really appreciate during this time, a lot of people are getting the opportunity to explore and experience musical uh, performances that they may not have had the chance to do. So I want to talk to you about the virtual musical experiences that you have been providing. I noticed that you're about to start this new initiative with Lincoln Center and you're featuring artists. Can you uh, share with us about that and, and how we can access that? Yes, that's called Humanity in Concert. It can be accessed on uh, Lincoln Center's Facebook page and also their Instagram page. It's a new initiative that they started where they want artists to create something fresh in their home dedicated to perhaps one of the uh, workers in the medical field or one of the uh, another essential uh, worker or maybe someone who lost a family member or people in certain communities or certain groups. And uh, I challenged some of my friends, uh, like Stephanie Matthews, a phenomenal violinist from D.C. who went to Juilliard, mm-hmm. Greek Collective Orchestra. Uh, also, the great Brandy Sutton, who we both love so well. Yes. Yes, uh, and she's in Alabama, I think, with her family now. And also my friend Titus uh, Underwood, uh, an amazing uh, oboist from Florida who also went to Juilliard, and now he's a principal with, I believe, it's the National Symphony Orchestra. That is amazing. So you all, I hope that you all would take note, and I hope we can we can post that again so you can follow those wonderful performances. And it's so funny that you mentioned Brandy Sutton because a wonderful composer here, Deirdre Robinson, had just brought up the idea of, of her really being presented in a major way, uh, perhaps at the Kennedy Center or something like that, you know, in recital. So I'm glad that we're all on a sheet of music with that to understand that that is certainly a voice that needs to hear, needs to be heard the world over. So thank you. Um, and I, I can't announce it yet, but there is something happening just in D.C., just with places you mentioned with Brandy. I just can't mention it yet. And it's very soon, but we have to see how COVID-19, uh, you know, uh, causes the lift lift up uh, for artists to be performed groups. If not, it'll be virtual. But yeah, that's coming very soon. Well, my curiosity is certainly peaked, so I hope that I will a little bit. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Listen, it's a lot of people online who are following. I definitely want to get some shout-outs, and and I think we already have some uh, topics. Uh, uh, So I just want to give a little quick roll call. Good morning, Uh, Angela Brown, soprano Angela Brown. Yes, O.C. Rossini, Dwayne Curtis, good morning. Philip Harris, good morning. Justin, Kendall, Naima, Atisha, Tom, Wayne, Janet, Nicole Heaston Lane. Oh, uh, yes, Brother Mike Mitchell, Brother Scott Dantley, good morning. Deirdre Robinson, Kwanis Floyd, good morning. Benroy Brown. Benroy. David. Got a, got a slew of people on here, uh, David. Great. Sherry Hunt, good morning. Um, someone just brought up the fact that they, um, I, I think I just saw my dear friend Dwayne from the Bahamas brought up the fact that he loves the spirituals that you arranged for tenor Lawrence Brownlee. Could you maybe talk about how that came about? Uh, yes, uh, I was attending the uh, Metropolitan Opera and uh, Weston Sprott, principal trombonist, yes. uh, now I believe works with the 
uh, music advancement program. He's over that program. Uh, he says, would you like to come back after the opera and meet Lawrence? And it's interesting because uh, some of the people that I attended the opera with, I turned to them and said, oh, my goodness, I would love to work with Lawrence Brownlee. I heard a lot about him and seeing him on stage. We went backstage, and Lawrence was very, uh, very uh, friendly person, you know, mm-hmm. very down to earth. And for someone of his caliber, you don't always find that. And all of us went out to eat with Billy uh, Hunter, the uh, trump, uh, trumpet player. Uh, at that time, uh, Anthony McGill was principal clarinetist for the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. Weston Sprott and some singers. We went out to eat, and at the end of dinner, uh, Lawrence. So Weston, I'd like to you know talk to Damien for a second. And Lawrence said, I'd love to do a project with you. And I'm like, there's no way, because I literally just said that a few hours ago. And we decided to come together and create sketches of spirituals, not necessarily the entire spiritual sketches. Uh, I sang everything, uh, recorded it, uh, wrote the music, and sent it to Lawrence. And I think a week later, he happened to be here in New York, and he flew in from Europe, and he recorded everything on the first tape. Oh, my goodness. He's absolutely amazing. And we have spiritual sketches part two coming out as well. Oh my goodness. Exciting things coming up, even in the midst of all this. It's always wonderful to hear good news. And the first to know. (laughs) Okay. First to hear and first to know, yeah, because we haven't really announced that yet. Oh my God. Exclusive. Oh my goodness. I got an exclusive, y'all, from the great Davian C. You You heard it here first. Listen, I want to go back because I have another dear friend on Greg Watkins. And Greg said, yes. good morning. He said, congratulations, Damien, on your notable work with the Clark Sisters. I absolutely yes. love your collaborative song, Broken to Minister, with Karen Clark Shear. Thank you so much, Greg. Damien, talk about that. What was that experience like? It's been an amazing experience. Uh, I worked with Karen Clark Shear for the first time as a freshman at Howard University. And then my sophomore year, Dorinda came. And then my senior year, uh, Twinkie Clark came, all working, you know, with the Howard Gospel Choir when I was a student. And then I had the phenomenal opportunity to work with one of my mentors, Darren Atwater. Mm. And Darren had three soloists there, uh, and two of them were Winston Marsalis and Karen Clark Sheard, who I'd end up working closely with. Uh, she told me that she wanted this song, a uh, song that I'd already recorded, to be on her project. So she changed the words, uh, wrote some new stuff, along with uh, my co-writer, Lenny Smith. And Jay Drew, her son, Kiera's brother, Jay Drew and I uh, did some stuff with the production and changed it, and uh, a lot of people have seen the film about the Clark Sisters, and it's really exciting because they're like family to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, after seeing the film, the words that she changed made so much sense with their particular uh, interpretation of the song. So that was a great experience. Thanks, Greg. Greg's a great musician and singer himself. He is one of the most beautiful, humble uh, persons in this area that, I, that you ever want to be. Um, and it's always good to ha- have those connections. Um, I wanted to to go back. I want to go back a little bit, uh, a journey back in time, if if you would indulge me. Talk to me about your your upbringing uh, in Augusta, if I'm not mistaken, and just how your musical influences started as a young child. What really sparked the interest in music as a young child in in your native Augusta? Well, actually, I used to. I had a, I still have the toy piano, but I used to watch uh, an old TV show. Praise the Lord with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. All right, right now. Along with piano. And around three and a half years old, I asked my mother about taking lessons. I started taking piano lessons. And I think after a year, we went to knock on the door and the teacher had moved and didn't tell us. Uh-huh. I was very distraught. Uh, so I started studying with uh, another teacher, Vivian Johnson, in my neighborhood. And I wanted to share this with everybody. But she did something that was very interesting, Patrick. Uh, maybe after about 
three or four years, she said, I can't do this anymore. And I said, what happened? Am I, am I, you know, talking too much, some lesson? She said, no. She called my father and she said, Mr. Sneed, I don't think I can teach Damien anymore. And he's like, what is he doing? You know, is he, you know, being hyperactive? He's not practicing enough. She said, no, I think I'm going to hinder his progress. And she said, I will not teach him anymore. She said, I think he has a lot of talent. I want to send him to my teacher. And she sent me to her teacher, Lydia Perone Millam, uh, who's there in Augusta now. And also around that time, my parents, we'd watched Live from Lincoln Center, and I found out that uh, Jesse Norman sang at their wedding when oh. she was a freshman Howard oh. University. Oh. Well, that's why I went to Howard. Uh, and then uh, her sister, uh, who I'm very close with, who you, who you know very well, the family loves you, uh, Ms. Norman's siblings love you, uh, Elaine Sturkey, who sings in Corrales Chateau with me with Winston, and uh, she uh, plays piano, organ, and sings and directs. That's how I got the idea about being multi-genre, because I would watch her at church. Uh, at Mount Calvary Baptist Church. She would go from the pipe organ to the Hammond organ to the piano, then she'd conduct the choir. Um, you know, she introduced me to Jesse Norman much later at our home, you know, as I was getting in high school. And then after my father passed, Jesse Norman invited me to Thanksgiving dinner. And it's just, it was a great relationship as my godmother. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that that teacher, Vivian Johnson, I really owe a lot to her. And that says a lot for someone to have that much insight, foresight, uh, and humility for a teacher to stop teaching a student and say, I don't want to, to stunt their growth. I don't think she's stunted my growth at all, but I really appreciate her. I appreciate all those people in Augusta, you know, people like Delta Sigma Theta, National Association of University Women, the Lynx, people that provided an opportunity for me to perform, as well as my church, Good Shepherd Baptist Church, my high school. You know, all those things help. Uh, education is so important. Uh, but also it's important uh, what you do, Patrick, uh, being a uh, uh, person that helps to propagate this information so that people won't forget unless we forget. And that's how you and I are connected, uh, you know, a lot through Jesse Norman. I would see you sometimes when I perform King with Winton. But, um, you know, and also you were able to be one of the people to uh, share and broadcast her funeral memorial service in Augusta that Lawrence Brownlee and Harold Blackwell and Janae Bridges, my friends, uh, also had a chance to sing at. But, you know, it's so important that we don't forget those that have helped us along the way. You know, and, and that is the perfect segue because I must acknowledge you. I remember many years ago, I, I want to say that probably was nine or ten years ago, I remember that I um, kind of saw that Ms. Norman was performing um, at the, uh, it was a commemoration of the diplomatic state rooms, and I remember that uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton uh, spoke and several other people, and I remember I kind of got wind of that, and then you reached out to me, and you made it possible so I could be there because you said, you know, Patrick, you know, this is what it is, this is the contact, and it was because of you that I got to witness you accompany Jesse Norman at that prestigious event and hear her live for the very first time. So it went beyond me just hearing a recording and looking at the video. I was sitting in this space watching somebody who I knew. So, Davia, I must say thank you. Uh, to you for making that happen. Because a lot of people, a lot of times people don't uh, give you entree to things that they have access to. And I think that's very important for everyone on this broadcast to know that that was made possible because of you. And of course, the Lord. <laughs> yes, I remember the Secretary of State dinner with Hillary Clinton, yes. Yes. So thank you so it was, it was. So I want to kind of go back since we kind of, we kind of crest it right there. Uh, with Miss Norman. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine being at Thanksgiving dinner with Miss Norman. 
And I just want to talk to you a bit further. How did that um, that grow into you being among her accompanists and playing for recitals and collaborating on on that particular level? Talk to me uh, and the listeners about that. You know, uh, thinking about it and the presentation of Ms. Norman uh, uh, yesterday at Lincoln Center, I'm really super clamped. Uh, I'm trying to avoid emotion, but emotion is a good thing. And we yeah. as creatives and sponsors should uh, enjoy the flow of emotion. What a wonderful human being. What a wonderful woman. My relationship with her uh, was that as a mentee. She was a phenomenal mentor. The stories she shared with me, the things she told me I could never tell people, the things she told me I could share. Uh, there, it's funny because at Howard University, I studied with the great Sylvia Oden Lee. Oh. And, another, and, you know, the stories about Miss Lee, Miss Norman's attention to the score, to uh, the Bogan. The, the line, you know, the phrase, the things that she instilled in me, I never, ever dreamed that she would call me to form with her. Uh, and I remember uh, what, what initially happened. Uh, I think I played for one of her birthday parties at one of her favorite restaurants, uh, uh, St. Josephine, mm. Josephine Baker's restaurant uh, near Times Square here in New York City. But I, I never forget it, Patrick. I got an email. She had a way of, of emailing people like a letter and uh and she said, uh, Damien, where are you? Are you in New York? I hope you're well. Uh, I need you to come to D.C. Can you get to the airport in two hours? And can you please bring a tuxedo? And I said, wow. And I said, okay, sure. She said, our pianist, I think, had a stomach virus. He won't be able to make it. The performance is later on this evening. And I actually had nothing to do that day. I grabbed the tuxedo. I said, wow, this is why my parents always told me to have my clothing organized. Get it I ready. I grabbed the tuxedo, grabbed my bag. Uh, and I, I ran to the airport. I lived close to JFK Airport, so that was great. And I said, wait, wait, Miss Norman, what am I going to sing? She said, uh, don't you have a computer or iPad? I said, yes. She said, I'll sing you the music uh, before you get on the plane. And so I got on the on the flight, uh, very quick flight, 35 minutes, and I looked over the music, and it sound checked. We went to the music, and that was my first time. I was extremely nervous. Uh, I remember performing with her at uh, Avery Fisher uh, for, it was the Lupus Foundation, I got so nervous uh, during sound check. I uh, still played well, but she, she could tell that I was nervous. She said, don't be nervous. You know, you have to, you know, it's, it's interesting because I never, uh, I'm not really relaxed when it comes to uh, the fact that God has blessed me to work with my men- mentors, like Wynton Marsalis, like Jesse mm. Um And she hears everything. Even when I worked with Aretha Franklin, Aretha Franklin, they, these people uh, are so consummate in their art. And the level of artistry, even like right behind you, Kathleen Battle and Jesse Norman and, and Price, Aline Team Price. Oh, wow, see the picture of you and Jesse Norman above that. <laughs> you know, I, I never dreamed that I would work with someone. Uh, you know, I was adopted, so if my parents were alive now, they'd be, in, they'd, they'd be octogenarians in their mid-80s. But who would have thought that I would uh, be adopted by parents who would select Jesse Norman to sing at their wedding before they knew they couldn't have children, before they adopted me, they didn't know that I had musical uh, giftings and talents inside. Then the Lord would allow my path to cross with her sister and become close to the family. Then meet her on a personal level. She became a godmother to me. Uh, when I went to that Thanksgiving dinner, my mother was uh, suffering with uh, advanced dementia at that time. And Miss Norman just stepped in. And the dinners that we'd have, even her last uh, few days in the hospital, I would visit her. People didn't know I would take, I was uh, bring her some of her favorite foods. Like we had a, a similar palate. She would cook for me uh, uh, the last for years, but I loved her cooking. I mean, she just was a great human being, and we really have lost uh, 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 
a monogene. There's never been and there never will be another Jesse Norman. No. Oh, my goodness. That is so... <laughs> and you talk about you getting emotional. I'm trying to make sure I don't get emotional. Uh, I want to pause for a second uh, before, I, before I tread your head. You have a lot of people on here uh, celebrating your career, um, Damien, and, and your and your your testimony. You have uh, Maestro Adrian Dunn, good morning. Tasami Selby, good morning. Nicole Heathson appreciated your shout out to her sorors, the, the ladies of Delta Sigma Theta. Um, good morning, Angel. Uh, Baratop of Florida, B. Walker in Francis. Good morning, Ayana Blake. Good morning, J.B. Sterling. Good morning, Miss Phyllis. Good morning, Kajia Johnson, Kiana Hobson, Philip Harris. I'll try to Michael Coyote, very fine baritone. Hey, Miss Karen. Hey, Miss Audrey Hartman. Oh yes, Audrey. That's so good. Favorite. So I'll, I'll keep trying to to because these are my loyal followers. You know, they've been they've been with me when I just started. You know, doing this rise and shine as coffee time. I said, well, why not just combine this with my podcast and all of this? So this would be great. So, Damien, I want to talk a little bit more about um, your your artistry as a conductor, the pianist. And I want to kind of go back to when you mentioned uh, Wynton Marcellus. I think one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard was uh, when you conducted your chorale at the Kennedy Center in his um, Abyssinian Mass. And that was, if I'm not mistaken, it was a joint uh, presentation with Washington Performing Arts. Could you maybe talk about, uh, you know, a lot of times people, will, I guess, will probably just think of, uh, Mr. Marcellus as the jazz musician, but that was another side of himself exploring the whole medium of the choir and all that. Could you maybe talk to everyone about, uh, I guess, the full breadth of Mr. Marcellus's uh, musicianship as it pertains to you working with him? Another another great mentor, classical artist of the year and jazz artist of the year at the Grammy Awards for two consecutive years. You know, I see Angela Brown on here, and this is going to segue right into this. I will never forget when the great April uh, Haynes, uh, who everyone knows at the Metropolitan Opera, came backstage to see Angela Brown before her Aida debut, maybe about seven minutes before the debut. She was back there listening to Yolanda Adams, The Ballad's Not Yours. And then she sung on the stage with such fervor and and grace and opulence, but yet she, she was very humble. For me, Patrick, and I'm not trying to be religious or cliche, but really God has afforded me these opportunities. I met Winston as, as a young person in, uh, in Augusta, Georgia, through Wycliffe Gordon. But what's interesting, Winston wrote the, the Abyssinian Mass. Uh, of course, he was commissioned by the historic Abyssinian Baptist Church, founded by Ethiopian Wayfarers, uh, to commemorate their bicentennial. But I, I have this recording, Nicole Pfeiffer, who's the great soloist of prayer. Yeah. As well. She's, she's amazing from uh, Morgan State. You know, Winston told us, he said, you know, I've created a lot of great works. I have a lot of awards, a lot of prizes. But before I leave this earth, I want to make sure that in my legacy, I leave something to the creator. I want to leave something to God. And that's deep coming from someone uh, as celebrated and uh, decorated as someone like him. And this, there's so, it's a confluence of American musical styles, the Abyssinian man, jazz, gospel, blues, classical. There are choral works, there are acapella works, there's seven-part harmony. Uh, he uses rhythm. He uses African rhythms. He uses uh, familiar folk uh, uh, moorings of the church. Uh, there's so much in the Mass. It's uh, about two and a half hours long. The way I got to conduct that was simply like, I, I, I don't know, just, I don't even know how that happened. It was divine. Uh, the choral group, Corral Chateau, features singers uh, from 
all over the world. Uh, definitely singers from the Boston Opera, uh, singers on Broadway. Even Twinkie Clark is a member of uh, Corrales Chateau. She sang uh, at the Kennedy Center with Corrales Chateau for Obama's first inauguration when Winston Marsalis and, and former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, I believe that's correct, uh, did their jazz and democracy performance with Jesse Norman and Angela Bassett and uh, her husband, Courtney Vance, as the hosts uh, with Alvin Ailey. So it's interesting because that work was really amazing. That particular performance at the Kennedy Center, I'll never forget that one, Patrick. I saw you backstage. You talked with Lincoln. I mean, he is, is such an amazing uh, musician. He told me, he said, Damien, you know, as I get older, I want to continue to write uh, a lot of serious music. You know, he has a violin symphony that was recorded by Nicole Benedetti, and it just won a Grammy Award. Wow. Uh, you know, he's working on another symphony. Uh, he's working on an opera. This is more news I'm sharing. Uh, oh. <laughs> hit it first. But, you know, <laughs> Winston is really my, wow, he's really my big brother. He's my mentor. i never forget when my mother passed. I went into the funeral home, one of the most difficult moments of my life. Uh, and all of my friends and family, and uh, they didn't come in the room with me to view the body. That's one thing I never wanted to do. I thought they were behind me. They left me in the hallway. I go into the room uh, by myself, and there was this huge flower, you know, a flower, a bouquet of whatever. Uh, I'm not saying it correctly. But I looked at the card, and it was from Winton. And he said, you know, little brother, I can't be here with you. So during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, because we started off talking about that, that's why we're both sequestered here in, in our homes, it really uh, bothered me when I got the news about the patriarch of the Marsalis family, Ellis Marsalis passing, because I knew that Winton was uh, alone in his uh, uh, apartment or his place, his penthouse rather, here in New York City. And, you know, this has caused us now to reflect uh, on so many different things. I was thinking about the season that we've been in, losing Jesse Norman, Toni Morrison, uh, so many great luminaries, but it's the music that I love listening to. I find myself listening to so much music now, Patrick, and listening to recordings and viewing things. Uh, and so the Abyssinian Mass is one of those. If people have not heard it, they should listen to it. They should uh, perform it. It is amazing. Uh, I can't say enough about it. Thank you so much. And you know, Damien, that was an important moment when you saw me talking uh, with Mr. Marcellus backstage. That was such a full circle moment uh, for me uh, because I, if I'm not mistaken, I shared with you the fact that uh, when I was a student at Virginia State University for undergrad, you know, Mr. Marcellus came to Virginia State, and I was, like, so starstruck. And so to have that moment, you know, as an adult, it was just truly, truly, truly amazing. What I want to do also, uh, Damien, is talk to you about um, your your projects that you have. Uh, specifically, talk to me about, I was fascinated when I saw this uh, project that you have called Classically Harlem. Could yes. you share with the, the people about that and what inspired you about that? Uh, well, you know, uh, 1619, uh, also I just did a premiere of my opera with Janet Bridges and Will Liverman at Carnegie Hall to commemorate uh, 400 years of Africans coming to Point Comfort, Virginia, uh, you know, through the slave passage, middle passage, middle passage slaves coming uh, from Africa. And also, you know, this year happens to be, uh, well, that was my birthday, January 30th, but this is 2020, 1920, after the Spanish flu, uh, uh, you know, epidemic and pandemic, there was, there was like a phoenix, a phoenix rising from the fire. Mm. We had people like uh, uh, Nathaniel Dett, one of the, the, the fathers of the National Association of uh, Negro Musicians, and they all came together in Harlem 
uh, and there was like a nexus of African-American creativity. And so that's how we got the, uh, the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. So we're actually in the centennial of that now. So I wanted to celebrate that, and that's why I released it the first month. Uh, there's a part two coming, and I was so fortunate to work with the great violinist, the award-winning Randall Goolsby mm-hmm. from uh, Tennessee, I believe Memphis, but he's at Juilliard. Also my friend, the great baritone, the son of the well-known tenor Michael Austin and the well-known uh, beautifully sweet, humble soprano Altuis Devon. That's Justin Austin, Justin Michael Austin. Uh, he's saying one of my original works that I uh, set for his Carnegie Hall debut on the on the poetry of Langston Hughes, I Dream a World. That's an original piece. Uh, he sang some Wolf and then Randy Sutton sang one of Miss Norman's favorite selections that I actually uh, did a solo version of for the Lincoln Center Humanity and Concert performance. And that's uh, Strauss Morgan. And then she also sang a piece by Mark, Fa- Mark Fax. Why did mm. I use Mark Fax? Because Mark Fax was over the music department at Payne College, where my mother started off in school in Augusta, Georgia. He knew Jesse Norman from Payne College in Augusta. He wow. went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. to be over the music department. And that's how Jesse Norman got the offer to come there and audition and got a scholarship. And Mark Fax has written opera as well, but he's one of those unsung heroes of the African-American uh, classical diaspora and uh so that his from his opera uh, uh one of the arias is on there and then i have uh, works by you know mozart and chopin but i want to do that a lot of people don't know that classical music is really my first uh entree into uh the arts and into music and uh on my first recording uh introspections i had some classical pieces on there but i just want to do something strictly classical that's something that i'm going to start doing more of and uh you know just releasing more music like that and i'm actually Almost done with the recording that I'm working on with my teacher, Raymond Jackson, the great Raymond Jackson. Yes. Oh, it's, you know, he's in Silver Spring, but he taught at Howard for a number of years, won many competitions, went to Juilliard, doing conservatory. Uh, he has some music by African American composers that nobody has. Mm. Uh, I actually got some manuscripts. So we're going to be uh, uh, working together, and I'm going to be releasing some music, a series of music by African American composers for solo piano. Thank you, David. Dan, you have some more people are on here. You all continue to share. This This is a wonderful conversation. I want to go back to Wallace Simmons' birth, sends her love, and she says she, yeah, she says she gives you a, um, a cyber hug. Maestro Eugene Rogers, again, congratulations, oh, Maestro Rogers. Yes. Newly minted um, artistic director. Now, right? Yeah, well, he's coming. He's going to be the newly minted director of the Washington Court. And in fact, there's a wonderful uh, broadcast that's happening today with him and the past music directors of the Washington Court. Uh, that's another a wonderful um, broadcast that's happening online today. So, I, well, I don't think it's t- today. I'm sorry. I think it's tomorrow. But I'll post that information. So, again, uh, Eugene Rogers, Ivan Griffin, Nicole Elaine Pfeiffer, thank you. She says, Patrick. Janae Bridges is on. Yes, Janae is on here. Joyce Garrett, Jeremy Winston, good morning. Karen Slack. Yes, me, Joyce Garrett. Yes, Jeremy was another phenomenal uh, singer and conductor. Yes. You know, Pat, this is so important what you're doing. It's so important that there's a forum that you're providing for uh, people to come together and, uh, you know, focus on good things, even in this time of negativity. But also, it's great that we are building a community where there's no competition, where we can come together and we can share in an environment. And that's what I love about all these people that you're mentioning. Janet Jarrell, very sweet person. Yes, I was just about to get to her. Janet. Humility, and and it's like we're coming back into a renaissance. People are sharing 
people are supporting each other. You know, we're, and it's just, it's really a great time that we're in. Thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. I saw a couple of more before I move on. This is really great. Dan Law, good morning. Patrick Austin, wow. uh, Samandra Smith, Paul Martin Bender out of Chicago, Gary Holly, good morning, good morning. Elliot Brown, good morning. Charles Clancy, good morning. Gosh, we got a lot of people on here. I'll be all day going through, but I want to, I want to make sure I give my people my love because they certainly do. Uh, support me. But I wanted to go back to um, uh, Nicole Elaine Pfeiffer. She doesn't, she, I don't know if she knows it, but I admire her, her artistry so much. I, the first time I heard her was at the Kennedy Center uh, in the Abyssinian Mass. And when I was writing for Washington Light Magazine um, in the review, I made a point to acknowledge her and her artistry and her musicianship because it just really impressed me so much. So, Nicole, um, you have definitely impressed me over the years, and, and, and thank you so much. Justin Norman hey. loved her. Yeah, Justin Norman loved seeing her in the Abyssinian Mass. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Frat, Derek, Barbara, good morning. Um, so, Damien, I, want, I have, I, gosh, I have a list of things I'd love to talk That's to you, <laughs> you about. But I want to go back to the whole We Shall Overcome tour, because I did have an opportunity uh, to see that under the auspices of um, George Mason University, they've always been gracious to me over the years, and the Hilton Center, and um, and just their their PR people and all that. Talk to um, I know we kind of mentioned it, and and I don't want to take it for granted. What ex- what inspired you to create a whole tour um, with that theme and and the legacy of Dr. Martin King Jr. and so forth? T- talk to us about that rhythm and how that all came to be. Well, I grew up in Georgia. Uh, in Augusta, where Morehouse was founded at the uh, Springfield Baptist Church downtown near, near the uh, riverfront, not too far from uh, Jesse Norman Street in her school. Uh, and I watched Martin Luther King uh, specials on television growing up. I would visit his birth home. So he always was like a mentor for me. I was actually amazed that the fact that he went to Morehouse at a young age. I almost went to Morehouse, but I decided to go to Howard in D.C. because I was actually going to uh, become a physician and I had a full scholarship for medicine. Yeah, I had like 22 full scholarship uh, for biology as a biology major. Only reason I went to Howard is that way I knew I could go there, uh, work with Dr. Jackson, the teacher was important, but also double major. Um, but it's interesting uh, because Martin Luther King is a figure, again, that I think sometimes people can forget mm-hmm. uh, the, the potency of his work, his life work, his career, uh, his career as a pastor, as a father, as a civil rights uh, champion, as a prophet to uh, people of, of color, to people in the struggle. So the theme we shall overcome doesn't just deal with uh, racial disparity and social injustice, but it deals with overcoming anything. Uh, for example, I was adopted uh, and I had to overcome the, the rejection of adoption. I found my biological family. I love them all. My mother, my father, my siblings. I have actually now like 12 siblings, which is crazy. I grew up as an only child. Uh, but I deal with that, that issue. I deal with the fact that uh, I was adopted, and my father uh, had a specialization in special education as an early education teacher, my mother as well. But uh, they thought I was autistic. I was mm-hmm. able to, be, uh, to take Ritalin, uh, hyperactive. I was, I was supposed to be in special education, and I also was mute for a long time. I didn't talk, and they were worried about my development, and they were going to put me in special education because my father uh, was a special education teacher. Uh, in addition to teaching math for grades three through five, third through fifth grade, he said, let's test Damien again. So he tested me again, and they tested my IQ. 
and they saw my IQ was high. And then I started excelling in math, science, and music. And that's around the time that I started taking lessons. So I say that to say, uh, and I've worked with a lot of uh, autistic people, people in the spectrum like myself. A lot of times there's a book that I'm about to start reading called uh, Prodigy's Cousin, talking mm-hmm. about the fact that many people who are on the spectrum are autistic actually uh, may excel in music or other areas. So that's something I share. I share about the pain of rejection. I share uh, that story to let people know, you know, as I was labeled, uh, people told me for years, oh, you'll never do classical music. You're, you're African-American uh, male. You're a black man. You'll never be successful in classical. This came from people uh, that look just like me. Uh, people said, you should just stick to jazz music. And then people said, well, you can't do jazz because you have decided to take a path of European music and you don't have enough soul to do that. People mm-hmm. said you'd never play soul music. They said, you should just stick to church music. You know, church people are uneducated and, you know, mm-hmm. they stop their feet and they bang the piano. You know, so I had all those uh, uh, labels where people tried to put me in a box. And uh, I won't be put in a box. I, I'm not a, uh, you know, a boxed-in individual. And that's one thing I got from Winton and from Miss Norman and from Aretha Franklin. So I just want to be an example uh, to people to let them know that you can become whatever you want to uh, if you put your mind to it. Uh, of course, my faith in God is very important. Uh, but it, like I said, it was the community. Uh, it was my parents who believed in me. Uh, it was opportunities that were afforded to me. Uh, and going to Howard University, uh, you know, these, these, these uh, experiences going to HBCU, uh, and I could have gone to conservatories. I got accepted to conservatories uh, for undergrad. But I wanted to share with people that message of hope that we should overcome. So we should overcome uh, would feature uh, last this, this year we did 40 cities. Uh, music that's classical, art songs. Brandy Sutton traveled with me, Patrice Eaton, a good friend of mine, the daughter of the great Patricia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, You know, uh, uh, and it was just really amazing because I had a great group of singers, Anitra McKinney, who I believe is online. But not, listen, that is one of DC's greatest. You all don't know her. She sings every style of music. She's at Morgan getting her master's now, sitting with great Marquita Lister. Mm-hmm. Uh, only singers that can just evolve and morph. But yet there's such a great sense of humility. <clears throat> and then, of course, I have uh, uh, band members with me. I have another tour coming up. I won't announce it just yet, because I think it's going to come out in, in a few days, uh, what it's going to be. But uh, it was a great tour because people's lives would change uh, after every performance. And you saw that people would come up to the CD table and cry or talk or, uh, you know, and that's what really the arts are about and music is uh, bearing your soul, being transparent, uh, allowing your life experiences to uh, sing through whatever uh, mode of of artistic expression you are uh, exuding and executing from and really touching people if you don't touch people, what's the point of performing? I tell my students in Manhattan School of Music and when I'm doing master classes and lectures, everybody can sing, everybody can play. There are so many wonderful, brilliant virtuosos around, you know, and divos and divas. But if you're not, you know, really changing the atmosphere in that moment and locking in with every single living, breathing soul, even the flies and the ants, whatever's in there, <laughs> you, you really you really have, have, have failed. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's such a high standard and high bar set by the people that you've mentioned, my friends and colleagues, people that I looked up to. Like, I never dreamed that I would get to work with Angela Brown. Uh, Lyric Opera Chicago had Lawrence Brownlee, Will Liverman, and Angela Brown. And I'm like, but, you know, the same humility that she had backstage and the same humility she had working together. And I'm finding that 
there's such a rich community in the arts where people are welcoming to the next generation. That's so important. It is. That we welcome those, you know, and uh, Angela's not that much older than me, maybe a year or two. I don't know. But, you know, we, I, I feel not, it's not the word equal, but I feel that we're on the same plane to share. You know, Janae was one of my closest friends at uh, the Manhattan School of Music. When I remember when my father died, you know, and I found out my mother had dementia. It was very difficult for me. And every day uh, at the lunch, lunch room, the cafeteria, I'd sit there. Sometimes I'd cry. She would listen. Uh, I, never, I never knew. I knew there was something special about her. But when I got to see her uh, singing in Philip, uh, uh, Glass, the Philip Glass Opera, Akhenaten, mm-hmm. I was blown away because not only was it stellar and she's you know, a great person, she's still the same, uh, Janae, very humble. And I'm just so happy for all of our people. I'm so happy. Nicole Houston, when I went to Houston Grand Opera, I never heard her sing, but I saw her spirit in her heart. She can really sing. Yeah. You know she came to me and introduced herself to me when I was on staff there as composer and resident and, and uh, music director for HGO Co. And, uh, and assistant to conductor to Patrick Summers. She introduced herself to me. That's the kind of stuff that we still need to do. You know, there's so many people's names I'm not calling. The same thing with you, Patrick. You extend yourself to so many people uh, and you, you create this forum and you haven't even monetized it yet, I don't think. You know, but, <laughs> I have a dear friend over here, Deirdre Robinson. She gets on me about that all the time. Deirdre, did you hear that? Thank you, David. We really care in like so many people. Uh, we have to support each other. We really, really do have to support each other. And I think while we are, you know, locked down, I think it's a time for people to think about where we place our energies and how we continue to move forward. Because it's one thing I say about the We Should Overcome Tour. We cannot move forward if we don't uh, be very uh, serious about where we are today and then also understand we have to stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. Thank you. And if you don't mind, I, I want to um, play an excerpt. I hope that um, it, it comes across correctly. Um, I would like to play an excerpt from We Shall Overcome, and hopefully this will work, and I pray that everybody can hear. Um, and then you just let me know. Um, when I start um, playing. But this is an excerpt from um, the We Shall Overcome, and this is Damien's arrangement of Bridge Over Troubled Waters. This is from a a live performance, um, which you can see in its entirety on YouTube. I just want to play this uh, just to give you an idea, and of course, I'll post the links and uh, other reference materials that can go back and and peruse uh, Damien's work um, more extensively. But I'm going to play this. Hopefully, it'll come through. Can you hear that? Are you sharing your computer sound? Coach, uh, it's not coming through? It's not coming through. Okay, let's see. That was the issue. Maybe. Let's see. You all bear with us. Is it coming through now? That is the video, but no sound. Oh, no. Oh, I can never do this right. (laughs) Hold on. Let's see. Share computer sound. Is it coming through now? Oh, good. Facebook, can you all hear the sound? Thank you. 
So I'm going to stop here, uh, but I just wanted to give you all a, a, a taste of it. Oh, well, let me, I'm sorry, uh, Damien, let me stop this. I'm sorry, Damien, you were sharing about the artist. Who was the soloist? That, that was the great Shanae Campbell. I think her mother is on now. Oh, sharing. good. Oh, beautiful yes. voice. Yeah, that was actually at, at Jenny's Supper Club. Uh, the tour, we were in performing arts centers, uh, you know, like 1,500 to 3,000 people that size. But that was one of the... Uh, one of the showcases and other great singers, Matia Washington, uh, uh, Q Brown and uh, Jory Nance and Anitra McKinney from DC, the singer I was talking about. She's on now. Uh, oh, wow. And I had a phenomenal band, but yeah, she, she, Shanae's was one of my students. And oh. yeah, she was one of my students at my first college teaching position and she just graduated, but she is absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I, she was also a soloist for Winter Marsalis's, uh, uh, Abyssinian Mass for the world premiere of that as well. Winston loves her voice as well. She's amazing. Thank you. That's amazing indeed. Um, Damien, can we go back there? We heard that that influence which was fused of gospel um, and and I would imagine jazz and blues and things like that in that setting. Let's go back to your opera, um, Marion Song, and talk to about your influences uh, classically in that and how did that project come about? Yeah, so that project I was commissioned by Houston Grand Opera. It's their, it was their 68th world premiere. Uh, and I had worked with a phenomenal uh, African-American female, uh, Deborah Deep Luton. She's mm. an amazing word artist, and, and she was the uh, poet laureate for Houston. So what's unique about the opera is that uh, it fuses spoken word with uh, you know classical music. It's a chamber opera for uh, string quartet, uh, flute, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, piano, and percussion. And uh, it has choral parts, and there's several uh, characters. And uh, the opera will be done a lot as soon as this lifts. That's already going to be. I'll be announcing that soon. Uh, Zoe Reams, uh, uh, who was a part of the Houston Grand Opera Studio, she uh, played the role of Marion. And it incorporates, of course, uh, uh, music from my roots. You know, church music, gospel music, jazz. Uh, but it's 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 classical, and you know, I listened to, there's a great opera, uh, someone may be able to type the name, uh, it's called The Mask in the Mirror. I cannot think of the composer right now. It is, oh, uh, um, he's, I, um, it's, Angela, I, I, and Angela from Crowell Chateau was played the main role. I can't believe, I can't remember it. Richard Thompson. Yes. That, you know, that opera is very inspiring. Uh, you know, Andre Previn, I was listening to a lot of things like that, of course, uh, Gershwin. I love Strauss, mm-hmm. uh, Wagner, but, uh, that opera is very uh, it, it, it's very dear to me because it was a difficult process. My first opera, Lyric Opera Chicago, had to incorporate different styles and genres of music, but this was a challenge how to figure out how to incorporate spoken word. So under the spoken word, I created a bed of music that would go along with the uh, with the uh, the palette of uh, artistic uh, word word placement that the uh, Tina B was her name. She's phenomenal. That, that she did when she was executing uh, somewhat like a film score and then weave back into the standard operatic execution uh, in the opera. But it, it's really good. It's called uh, yeah, The Mask in the Mirror, uh, Richard Thompson. But uh, that, that inspired me a lot. But this is uh, Marion's song about the life of Marion Anderson. And it, uh, the spoken word artist, her name is Heaven Backwards, Nevaeh. 
and she's a Howard University student. Go HU. Uh, <laughs> she travels back up to uh, Philadelphia to the historic Union Street Baptist Church uh, to try to stop it from being stop the demolition because the original church was demolished. Uh, and you know, it's talking about Marion will not let you down. I just want to bring out one theme in the opera that's very important: two steps forward, one step back. Mm. And that's definitely uh, has been the the song of many people in the arts, uh, many people in the world, but definitely people of color. Many times when we feel like we have advancement, you know, we're making two steps forward and then something knocks us back, but mm. we still make progress. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep going into all the younger people that are out there and uh, even more mature people, whatever it is that you feel you're called to do and you want to do, uh, even if you get knocked back, take two steps forward, even if you have to take one step back. But I would love for people to support and uh, see that opera when it comes around uh, different places around the world. So that's already in the works. It's already planned. And uh, it's going to be very interesting and some interesting cast members as well. Thank you. And, if, and as we wrap up our time together, I want to take a moment to play a little bit of your opera and um, just so, so people can hear it. And um, we probably, for the interest of time, we probably won't have to be able to listen to the whole uh, excerpt, but it's on Damien's page. But I want to, to play this, and I hope that I can uh, accomplish what we just accomplished by sharing this screen. You know, this is definitely a learning curve for so many people managing all this technology. So let's see, can we, uh, let's see, I am going to share my, Green, and I think I saw uh, that, and I'm going to share my sound. Yes. Hopefully that worked, and I'm going to. How familiar can parade as joy. Can you all hear? Uh, you have to turn the volume up there, Okay. Uh-huh. She stored all her reasonable expectations. She um, found that home was a creaky house, one that knew her footsteps but still could not safely hold it. My grandmother told then you still can hear would no, still Okay. All right. So let me. Thank you all for your patience. Uh, when you share the screen, I think you have to click uh, share computer sound. Okay. Um, okay, thank you. To grin and to bear and fight another day. She used to say, baby. My computer is getting locked up. I'm sorry. We can't mess up our wonderful interview with this. Wait a minute. Let's see. Let's try this again. Speeding. Let's stop the share. Okay, we're going to get this together. Just just one. Let's see. So let's try this again. <laughs> All right. So I see Baron Coleman is online, too. Baron uh, attended the premiere of the opera. Hi, Baron. You had a chance to just really um, meet him in person, in the flesh. Compa- share okay. computer sound. Let's Turn see. the volume. Mm-hmm. Volume is muted. Oh, Right. Oh. Yes. Why is this still muted? Let's see. Here it is. is it coming through? Is it playing? Oh, good. Uh oh. This happens a lot with Zoom when I'm teaching my class. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they all feel bad. Um, okay. Well, let's... but they can all go to they can all go to my page too. And, you know, to hear and there it wants to come on. Wait a minute, let me. All right. So so as you all mentioned, if you all go to Damien's page, you can see that that wonderful excerpt from his opera Marion song. And as he lifted up, and I want to um, just really support. Please, uh, you know, when you see it come around in your city, just really. Uh, you know, get behind it. Oh my goodness, that, that, that's giving uh, chill bumps. You know, David, you have accomplished a lot of things, um, awards, and have been able to be in different venues. Could you maybe talk about when you received the Sphinx Medal of Excellence and what that ceremony and all of that was about? Because I always see it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's such a prestigious honor. Yeah, my one of my best friends, my publicist there in D.C., Gwendolyn Quinn, and uh, my godmother and pastor Iona Locke, they were there with me at the uh, the Hall of Nations at the Supreme Court when I was presented the award by Supreme Court Justice uh, 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 Sotomayor. I think I may have messed up her name. Uh, I think I said it correctly. Mm-hmm, you did. Not, uh, <laughs> that was an amazing experience. I feel uh, that Aaron Dworkin and offered Dworkin and her family uh, to be a recipient of such prestigious Prize along with Eileen Perez and Janae Bridges and Anthony McGill and Sanford Thompson. Uh, I mean, there's so many others uh, that I could name. The great uh, violinist and composer uh, Jesse Montgomery. It's really uh, very humbling. Uh, it's, it's a it's a prize that's given to uh, uh, Blacks and Latinos in the arts in classical music specifically. And uh, I was blown away when I got the phone call. It was a very difficult time in my life because my mom's dementia had really taken a upswing uh, in a bad way, you know, having caretakers and switching caretakers, and that's very expensive. Uh, great pianist Karen Walwyn, I was, we've all been reading online about the ordeal she's been going on with her mom now in the nursing home during this COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic. She brought her mother home. Uh, you know, I appreciate the difficult times because you're able to really value and, and uh, the the mountains or the peaks. That was a definitely a peak in my life, but it came with a very low low moment. Uh, you know, it, it's so amazing uh, what the Sphinx organization does for so many people. Uh, that was just, that really opened up a lot for me too when I received that that award. Uh, I've started getting a lot of commissions. Uh, I've recently, uh, something you may not know, but I was just commissioned by uh, the, Tuskegee, the Tuskegee Airmen to write their symphony and the world premiere will be in D.C., uh, yeah. So Congratulations. You have to be there. You have to be there. Even if it's virtual, we'll have a few important <laughs> people expressed there. Uh, but so many things have opened up to me uh, from that experience. And one one thing they did recently, a lot of people don't know it, they gave me a, a grant uh, for the Damien Sneed Foundation. Mm. And I started the Damien Sneed Performing Arts Institute last summer at Jesse Norman School. Uh, and I see on here a great tenor, Tim Miller, uh, who's yeah. a phenomenal tenor. Uh, faculty member at Morehouse and went to Manus in New York City. It's interesting because, like, for example, Tim Miller was at one of my first college jobs, sorry, first middle school jobs at Eastland Baptist Church in Augusta. He lived across the street from the church, so he was in my choir. And he could sing tenor alto. It's full circle. So, (laughs) you know, I was able to do Jesse Norman's final recording in Atlanta for the Atlanta uh, Music Festival, where she's, I don't know why she selected these songs. Her sister and I were just talking about this last night. She sang Come Sunday, Duke Ellington. She sang Heaven, Duke Ellington. 
she's saying, get on board, little children. Uh, and, you know, uh, the gospel train, as it's also called. And she's saying, of course, he's got the whole world in his hands, the Margaret Bond's arrangement. And many people have seen uh, the video from that recording where she's singing in a wheelchair. Uh, I was able to play with her, and Tim was there. It's just all this stuff is full circle. So I try to make sure that when I receive, Patrick, I also give. Mm -hmm. So where one hand is open, the other hand. So it can be a, a circle. It can be a cycle. So after receiving that prize and that award, I really decided at that moment, I'm not going to wait until I'm retired. I'm not going to wait until I am uh, uh, a senior as far as my maturity in life to start giving back. I'm going to be very active about giving back uh, immediately. So after receiving uh, that prize, it was a $50,000 career grant uh, from the Sphinx Foundation. I started trying to become even more active. I've always, always been an educator, but uh, more, more uh, ways and methods to try to give back uh, to young people. And so when I see people like Tim Miller, who's doing so well, you know, even that was just a church job. See, I said just a church job. I don't want people to ever think one of my men mentees is on here, Glenn Alexander. I cheer with him all the time, great conductor and pianist from Prairie View and uh, going to Manhattan School of Music, about to graduate from Bard and orchestra conducting. It doesn't matter what the job is. It doesn't matter whether it's in a church, playing at a funeral home. Uh, maybe you're not at a, a tier one opera company yet. Maybe you're singing uh, opera at a nursing home. Never negate the small beginnings. Don't despise them mm -hmm. because you never know who you're going to be connected to. You never know who's there. I've always, one thing I got from the Clark sisters, and they got that from the great Maddie Moss Clark, is that you have to perform. Dorinda particularly said this. You have to, to sing, minister, whatever you're doing. You have to sing to 10 people <clears throat> like it's 10,000. And that's one thing I do. It doesn't matter like the video clip you played. If it's at, uh, you know, I've performed a lot of places. If it's performing at the White House, performing at a church, performing in someone's home. Performing, uh, uh, singing a cappella at the bedside of someone who's terminally ill and in hospice, palliative care, uh, singing, uh, performing on the stage of the Metropolitan Opera, performing in Europe, performing for royalty. It doesn't matter who it is, what you're doing, what style or what genre, even if you're speaking, you should always give it uh, 150% because you never know who you're reaching. Somebody today, I'm sure, is being encouraged. Uh, someone is connecting now with new people, people you've mentioned, I've mentioned. We're becoming more aware. And I think that's what it's about. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know how the Sphinx Foundation found out about me. Uh, I finally found out later. And uh, I've now tried to make sure that I tap people. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Every opportunity, every door that opens for me, Patrick, people see it. It's a matter of the genre. I always tap somebody new. I always bring someone new in because I understand for me, maybe not for everyone else. I've been afforded a lot of opportunities, a lot of stages to work with a lot of luminary, great artists and virtuosos in every genre of music and the art. But every time there's a door open for me that God opens the door, I have to bring somebody in. Now it's up to them whether they stay in, whether they appreciate it. I don't worry about that. You know, because some people, that's another, that's another conversation. <laughs> it you is. Know. But, but I always try. So you talked about when I called you after the Secretary of State dinner. I always try to ask. It's just something I do. I just say, Lord, who am I supposed to uh, invite into this? Or why did you open this door for me? Is there somebody I'm supposed to meet or somebody I'm supposed to connect to? Connectivity and networking are so important. And I think young people have to understand your, your presentation, your personality, that's your business card. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you have to be, Winston calls it a point of entry. Not only just a website, a business card, but you yourself have to be a point of entry to welcome people in because you never know. You know, think about it, Patrick, all the moments that we saw each other backstage. Imagine if I didn't speak 
of course, I was busy. I was tired. I conducted a two of work over two hours. You know, you were doing your work, uh, writing, you know, and, and getting interviews, but just taking the time to be consistent with people and saying hello. You never know who's going to be the judge of the Metropolitan Opera uh, 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 competition, who's going to be the person to nominate you for a career grant. So we always have to not just be on our P's and Q's. We have to be open and aware of, of the people around us and not be so so tunnel-minded in trying to just make it and trying to, to survive and trying to become great that we don't see those around us. You know, you have really just, and I know I said we're wrapping up, but I mean, this conversation is so rich. And 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 you had mentioned this picture with, with myself and Ms. Norman. This is a prime example of what you're talking about. Uh, when I first started writing for Washington Life magazine, Ms. Norman had gotten um, got honored by Washington Performing Arts. It was Washington Performing Arts Society at the time. Uh, it was a wonderful uh, brunch, inaugural brunch at the Hay Adams Hotel here in Washington. And this is like my first real, you know, um, I, had, I had been to many events, but this event was honoring Ms. Norman. And I just remember I got to the Hay Adams early. And the room was kind of still set up for the light, uh, the refreshments that came before the actual brunch. And I would never forget, I happened to be early. It was a waiter um, coming through with glasses. And in wafted the great Jessie Norman. I mean, it was like she had just floated angelically on a cloud. And I was in the room, and, and I had my, my cell phone. And the photographer for the event, uh, Chris Birch, who was, who was always been so gracious to me, he happened to be there early, you know, covering the event, and I would never get to Miss Norman <laughs> walking into the room, and I'm like, and, you know, I, I got up the nerve to, to speak, and she was so gracious and, and so wonderful, and I asked her, could I take a picture, and she said yes, and I took out my cell phone, and I asked Chris, I, I, I felt bad, and I, I gave Chris my cell phone to take the picture, and he took the picture, but he said no. He said, Patrick, you need a real picture of this moment. And Ms. Norman was so gracious that she stopped and she posed again for a second picture. And that's the picture right there on the wall. And I treasure it. And being able to see her again at the Library of Congress just last year, it was, oh, my goodness, it, it was just so wonderful. But, Damien, I just want to say to you, thank you so much for sharing this time and space with all of us this morning. And I do want to do uh, one more chat because you have so many people on here and thank you all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. all. I see uh, uh, Omar, Maestro Omar Dickinson, director of choirs at Hampton University. Um, I think that's Albert Jackson. Good morning. Sabrina Carton. That's another fabulous singer. Good morning. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to go through this. Paul Joseph White, my classmate from Virginia State. Shout out to Virginia State. Let's see. My dear friend, O.C. Rossini, we we, uh, we met through our, our love for Lawrence Brownlee, so we go to all the concerts and operas. Laquita Mitchell, yes, yeah. indeed. That's another full circle moment. I could go all day, these people. You know, as you kind of already broached, we don't get here by ourselves. You know, it's somebody in another space that has connected us. I met Laquita Mitchell. Uh, she and Chow um, Papua, because they were in uh, Terrence McNally's master class. And that was one of my first assignments. And she was gracious wow. there. She was on my podcast, the Opera Diva series. And, and so these, these relationships oh, are so her. important. 
I think I saw Dr. Andre Thomas on here. Um, oh, man. Pastor Rosemary Wright, Jillian Patricia Perdo, the Mary Anderson Museum in Philadelphia. Wow. Um, you have a lot. Go ahead on, Xavier Steve. Justin Austin is on, too. Justin Michael Austin. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful voice. We had talked about his, his Carnegie debut. Yes, indeed. Oh, my goodness. So, again, David, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of this, this thank you. podcast. And this, you know, I want to, you know, this time has definitely given us an opportunity to concentrate on things. You know, my, my dear friend Deirdre and some others were saying, Patrick, you need to bring this video component to your interview. And I was so, so lazy with it. But guess what? COVID-19 happened. You know, we're, we stay at home and I have plenty of time to invest in this. But thank you so much, uh, Damien, honestly, for being a part of this. Let people know as we close, where can we connect with you uh, in terms of, of your website, your social media, and any of your other uh, sound projects? Thank you so much, Patrick. Thanks for this uh, this opportunity. Uh, they can connect with me at Damien Sneed, just like my name. It's spelled E-A-M-I-E-N-S-N-E-D. So DamienSneed.com. Facebook, Damien Sneed. Instagram, Damien Sneed. All running together, Twitter, Damien Sneed. So they can connect with me uh, on any of those uh, places. You know what? I've been making some updates to my website recently, uh, selling more music. Uh, there's more sheet music that's going up uh, now, and uh, I'm making a list of the available uh, larger works that I've uh, been commissioned to write and that I've written and composed. So, yeah, making a lot of updates as well to the website. I know I said that. Is one more question that, that Deirdre Robinson had lifted up, because she is a composer, and when you were talking about your, your background, your interest uh, in the medical profession initially. Uh, did you study composition formally? I have studied composition formally. Uh, my undergraduate degree from Howard is in p- uh, piano performance, classical. And then I went to NYU and majored in uh, uh, music technology, scoring for film and multimedia. So I took a lot of time studying orchestration and composition there. And then uh, my doctorate, I have to uh, wait to see when this uh, – pandemic will lift, but I, cause I have to uh, do my presentation, my dissertation, which is on uh, the challenges of conducting American music. It's a study on what's Marcel Abyssinian math. Uh, but uh, at uh, USC where I did my, my doctoral work uh, for my DMA in orchestral conducting, I took also some courses in composition and orchestration again. And I'm actually still studying with uh, a teacher right now. I think we should always be a student, but yeah, I did study formally and I'm still trying to learn. I don't think, I mean, it blows my mind that I'm getting all these commissions and even all these opportunities to work with all these great people. So I'm constantly practicing. I still practice. I was going through some Bach conventions and uh, my journey in, in Hannon, and I'm listening a lot to music, I'm constantly just trying to study because I don't think that I've arrived at all. Oh, my goodness. And that I was just going to ask you to give some parting words to, um, you know, the, the musicians or people who want to pursue this career, but you just you just gave it. First of all, continue to be a student and just realize that, you know, we, we haven't arrived yet. It's still something to perfect, something to learn. My goodness. Damien Sneed, thank you so much. Uh, again, you, you have been um, in this conversation and dialogue with composer, conductor, pianist, Damien Sneed, alum of Howard University. Uh, uh, definitely a favorite here in Washington with Washington Performing Arts and and just um, 
I, I, gosh, I've been a lost word. Just a wonderful human being at the at, at the core of all of that. So again, Damian, thank you all so much. Thank you all so much to my Facebook um, family on here. Rise and shine this coffee time. You know, we we sing this little song together every morning as I um, you know offer these conversations. But again, this has been across the art. This has been the conversation series, the second installment. Featuring Damien Snead. Be sure to follow Damien Snead and also follow me at Patrick B. McCoy on Twitter, at Patrick B. McCoy on Facebook, PDM06 on Instagram, and of course my website, www.patrickbmccoy.com. And you can also listen to this podcast directly on Blog Talk Radio. Again, I am Patrick B. McCoy across the arts, and I hope that you all have a great day. Thank you so much, Damien. Thank you, Patrick. We have to do it again. Thank you so much to everyone. Thank you.